just past 7 o'clock. And here we go, Monday night, time for a very super edition of Ira on Sports, 95.9 True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. And Ira, here we go. Big game is in the books. We have a new world champion. Congratulations to the LA Rams. And I went to the game. So there there was a big, I'm telling you, I think that was the biggest question mark is like, am I going to get a ticket to be in the game? And yes, I, I, I got, I think I got hit more than Joe Burrow. I mean, we're just in the standing room section in the second level on the corner. And uh, I want to tell you something. I, uh, I'm bruised today from the trying to get the view and the Rams fans are tough. And I'm going to, we'll tell stories about that, but being in SoFi with electric being in, you know, this is now two Years in a row, the home team have won, has won the Super Bowl. But, of course, last year was a little tempered because there were the only 22,000 fans were in the stadium. But this was 70,000 fans, full, no mask requirements. Even though they had one, everyone was going crazy. And it was just full of excitement. It, it was a little weird, though, because I've been to places where home teams uh, clinch. Of course, in basketball, who could forget when the Heat won? Uh, that was just unbelievable. You couldn't even leave Miami Arena. They, you were just stuck in the arena for, like, hours afterwards. But that stadium, everybody got out there pretty fast. I mean, they're rushing out. But uh, it was it was so much fun to be there uh, the, and see the Rams uh, win the Super Bowl championship. I can't wait to talk all about it. Plenty to talk about uh, from this game. But I remember just about a week away from the Honda Classic. We're going to bring on our good friend and uh, you know frequent contributor to the show, Ken Kennerly, the executive director of the Honda Classic at 740. Yeah, I'd be excited to have Ken talk. We were there on Tuesday at a press conference they had. Of Honda, it's one of the stops on the PGA Tour. This week we're at uh, last week they completed the Waste Management in Phoenix. This week's going to be at the Genesis in L- in uh, Los Angeles. I'll be going out to see the Genesis in Riviera Country Club, and then next week is the Honda Classic in uh, Palm Beach Gardens, which we go to all the time. It's going to have a good field this year, so excited about the Honda Classic. I'm glad Ken can come on, and he's going to tell about some amazing things. I mean, we were out there. It, 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 17 looks like the SoFi Stadium, but concerning how many <laughs> double-deckers, I mean, they're really, they're putting like almost 25, 30,000 people around one hole. So you got people who go out nervous and they're putting, there's like four people watching. It's like, like 30,000 people watch you try to putt. You saw what happened in Phoenix when the hole-in-one, they were uh, throwing the beer cans out there on, on the hole. They took them, what, an hour to clean up all the beer cans that people throw. Yeah, no, it's uh, they're making leaps. The Honda Classic is already the premier event in South Florida, and they're like doubling everything and adding more of it, more entertainment areas. It's just going to be crazy, and Ken will get us all caught up on that. But all right, Ira, so here you are. You're not here in the studio. You're in L.A., of course. So your plan was you didn't think you were going to go to the Super Bowl. You were obviously going you know, for the parties and, and the clubs and stuff like that, but you didn't think you were going to make it in, but you did. Yeah, I mean, I think that watching the tickets where they went, they were super-duper-duper high, and they did drop during the week, but not to a level – I mean, you're talking about, they, at one point they dropped and it was like, uh, you know, there's a normal get-in-seat uh, ticket with like $3,000. And it was insane. That's in the upper level. And I just, you can't imagine spending that much money to sit. And, and, and remember, I was in the second level at the game, uh, watching the game. And I look up and there's a third and there's a fourth and there's a fifth. And I see a plane fly over. And, I, you know, the plane was like on the sixth level. Like, I can't imagine <laughs> I. I, I, you know, I all credit to all the people who spent money for the ticket to get in the arena. I can't see being up on that fifth level. It is so hot. It's above the scoreboard. But you know, I, I had, I must have hit StubHub refresh, Ticketmaster refresh. I had computers working, everything going. And uh, but luckily for me, I mean, I will just go into the stories about the four events and everything. But just about, I would say, half an hour before the game, somebody called and had a standing room ticket. You know, a friend of the show, someone saw that I was going down, was there, and. 
and uh, and was walking in and had one of those uh, had a standing room like pass and uh, and gave it to me. So I got it for free. <laughs> so that's uh, I was very lucky. Now it's, it's you have to when you're in standing room it's tough, but it was still I have not complained. It was great to be there and uh, enjoy it in my 23rd football game of the year. So it's the final one. It was great to be there. No, I mean, yeah, it was great to be there. It was amazing how it worked out. This stuff, you know, always seems to come together for you. It's good to be Ira sometimes. Uh, you can live the life of Ira all across social media at Ira on Sports. So let's talk about before the game. You know, one of the reasons that I think you wanted to get out there so early was was to party a little bit. I mean, this is like it being in L.A., it's kind of like probably even better than a, a, a weekend in Vegas with the Super Bowl there, all the celebrities. I'm sure it was great. Talk about it. They put on every night there's parties and everyone's throwing different parties. And I only went to the Saturday, the Friday night and the Saturday parties. Um, I went to something Wednesday night. It was, it, it was sort of tame. And then I guess on Friday we went to some pre ones, but they weren't really great. But the, the main one Friday night was they have this thing called the city market, which is in the middle of it's by Staples about a mile away, but it's an area. It's, it's just this empty area. I don't know what it must've been old market. And it was as huge. They put a tent up, they put 3000 people inside and they charge a force of people to go. I was on a, able to go into a table and they had you know, all these entertainers, all these singers. And the, the main, the main person was Friday night was chain smokers, which is a popular DJ group. When I had my, a restaurant in the, in the Hamptons called Sienna. We had them. We paid them uh, $2,000 to reform. And, and now they probably, probably got $2 million for that from what they did <laughs> yeah. on, on the on Friday night. But they were, they're a DJ and they also sing. Anyone who knows, the people I'm talking probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But they actually have top songs. So they're a mixture of DJ techno and they have the, but their screens are amazing. People were going nuts and it was packed and I had a great uh, seat to watch it. And it was just so much fun to be there. Uh, the energy of a club like that, not a club, it was out, we're outside with a tent and uh, they put on a great performance. Uh, and I think the people were, I said it was, just, it was just excited to be there for that. And then the next night, it was the same, it was Saturday, we went to the same place. Um, and in that situation, I didn't realize that one of the friend of mine from the Hamptons is actually, you're in line. How would you like to be in line with just a general admission ticket? And then you have someone come up and say, hey, Ira, da, da, da. like I'm running the entire place. And he was able to get us into the VIP, VIP. I mean, the, the Emir of Kuwait or our gutter or one of the countries, his son was sitting right next to the DJ. And I'm like in that area. It was so cool to be there and uh, watch Tiesto. Well, they had 50 Cent first. There was another DJ called Loud, uh, Loud something, and then they had um, Tiesto, which is probably the most famous uh, disc jockey ever. And and uh, so then he played, and that was fun to watch that and be there for the same situation where the DJ's playing. And then they have the, the amount of tables and bottle service and everything. It wasn't like going to an arena like Staples. I mean, it was all like it's like a super duper club. I mean, they had maybe like fifty servers serving the, the drinks. They had parades of champagne. I mean, you know, out of out of this world. Like craziness, you know, in terms of what people were spending. I mean, I, they must people must have spent millions of dollars in that whole place, you know, buying alcohol, drinking, and, and with the champagne and the vodka, the tequila. It was it was pretty wild, but uh, that was just fun to be there. I know, you know, a lot of people just that's all they do. They go to the parties. You know, I was there on Saturday night at two. It stopped at two. I'm like, how are people going to get up the next day to go to the Super Bowl? So part of me said, boy, the prices could drop because no one's going to go home. And we went back to the hotel, and I only got like a couple of hours of sleep. But uh, I just don't know how people made it. To the part to the game, and I don't think that he did either. Well, you never sleep anyway. You were probably up watching Australian uh, tennis or something once you got back. <laughs> no, uh, that's over now. <laughs> no, um, let's talk about outside the stadium because I'm sure it was a spectacle as well, and there was probably you know people hanging out. It was you know a little bit of a party out there before the game. 
it was where we stayed at the Residence Inn at the by Marina Del Rey, and that's where NBC was based. So you had like, I mean, like if I was someone who was resourceful, I mean, you had credentials. I mean, like you saw these credentials, like all access everywhere in the Super Bowl. I mean, these are like, you know, guarded by like the end. Like there's one person that had control of all these facets. And you could see like, I mean, the NBC people, they, they did you talk about not sleeping. I mean, you get to the Super Bowl. I talked to a bunch of them, the production, like the guy who did that, the, uh, the, the cam that goes over the, the sky cam. That was like his responsibility was the spy, sky cam. And uh, he said, he, you know, he had something two days was most complicated. Well, why is it so complicated? He goes, just the technology, the stadium's hard. We're trying to do so much with it. It's just we have to keep running through it. We don't want the camera to fall and crash. Like, I mean, it's like, are you nervous? He goes, yes, we are nervous. We don't want the camera, like, in the middle of the play at the end of the game to fall and, like, stop the game or something. And it was so fun and talk to, you know, talking to these NBC people because they were really working really hard to make sure this game goes. But, boy, we parked. I mean, it was – talk about, like, knowing how to get to a stadium. So we were there, and I go, they go, let's go so far. It was, like, an hour from – it was only a few miles away from Rio Del Rey to SoFi, and it was like an hour to get there. I said, let's go to the Forum, which is like next to SoFi where people are parking. It's like 20 minutes. So we went in, and people, of course, were opening up their driveways and their houses. We went to like an underground garage someone had in their house and paid them like $100, $150 to park their car there. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, they, you know, they, they offered White Claw after. You got, you got to park your car and get a can of White Claw if you wanted. But then, uh, and then we went in, the, and it was crazy outside. There was every Everybody, they sell the hot dogs and the hamburgers and all the Anybody who cooked was out there. There were so many. Like, if you didn't think that you were going to get free food in the stadium, you want to eat outside. I don't know why, but so much food. And then everybody was protesting. Some, or uh, there were all these causes. Like, every, you know, I'm, they're passionate for what they were saying, but there must have been loudspeakers and bullhorns and everybody screaming. It was chaos. It was like you're going to a foreign country outside the stadium because remember, the stadium's pushed back with all the security gates, so it's almost into the neighborhoods. And it was total pandemonium. Uh, I got there super late because I was looking for tickets with my friend, and, and he had one, but he was very nice enough to wait to see if I could get one. And then it just showed up, and then I got the other one. And then we got there, and they just like rushed right in. And uh, but it was it was it was crazy to go to the stadium and and there wasn't lo- a long line for security or anything but it was outside uh, total pandemonium. Uh, anything else you want to cover uh, before uh, getting into the game? Yeah, well, I think when you I think the stadium. I told you I went to the Chargers Steelers game and I thought it was chaos in terms of being in the stadium. This is not a normal stadium. Like you, I heard Joy, uh, the person, the woman on the Colin Coward show, say the same thing, and she's been to the stadium before. She can't find her seat. The numbers don't go in the right order. There's no way to walk around the stadium. You have to go up and down stairs. I mean, this is a brand new stadium. It is so complicated. But it makes it even worse is that nobody there knows anything. Like, I ask a person at the end of the game, just an example, I go, where is, are they going to sell apparel? Where do they have all the, the, the merchandise stores? Uh, merchandise store, he goes, I don't know. I have no idea. And I'm like, I go, I just take pictures from this uh, area. And I look, and I'm like, you're standing next to it. And I realize the merchandise store is next to it. I go, do you realize there's a merchandise store right next to you? He goes, I didn't, I didn't see it. I went to be here for three hours and didn't realize the merchandise store was right next to you. And then we're, like, there's, um, we're walking around and going to our seats, and I cannot get into the seats. Like, just I cannot. I have to go there when there's nobody in the stadium and just try to walk around and find out how. Because I don't know how you walk from one section to another or the directions. But there even like this VIP, VIP section. And I'm standing there and clearly don't have the tickets. I have a standing room ticket in the Section 200 area or whatever. 
and I have no right to be there, but they stand there, and the person says, you're not allowed to stand here. Come here. And they push me into the, instead of me pushing out, they brought me into the VIP section <laughs> where all the free food and everything. I'm on the 50-yard line, the founders club. I'm sitting there like, I should not be in this room. But they, they, they said, you, you know, yelling at me for not being whatever. And it's like nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. You have People had, like, so many different wristbands. It is total, like, again, I think if you didn't know what you were doing, you'd probably go anywhere you wanted in the stadium because nobody knew where you wanted People were, everyone was like arguing, like, I can't get in here, I can't get in this, I can't get in that. It was, that's where, they have to come to a better way to do the stadium. But I ended up, so for the game, before we start talking about the game, I got, ended up going to section like 224 standing room, which is in the corner, which is actually a fairly good seat. I, and now I've determined that I don't want to be in the lower corners in a game. I'd rather be up a level because I think when you're quarters, you can see more in the field. So it was a good seat. But in front of me were two gentlemen that were in their 20s, that had Rams hats on. I don't know if you're familiar, Mike, with these Rams hats, but they're horns. I think if I had two Rams in front of me, I could have had a better view. <laughs> their hats were blocking. I just wanted to rip their hats off. They were so big, and they're standing there. And then there was this other guy who was smaller, but he was sitting in a chair, but he would continually stand up. And I thought he was going to stand. When he was sitting, I could be fine, but when he stood, I couldn't see him. But I thought when he stood up, he's jumping down. like He was going to fall over into the walkway where people go down in the second level. Like I'm like, you're, you, I told him, you got to be careful. You're going to fall. Not just for me, because I'm nervous you're blocking when I stand up in your chair, but you're going to fall. like this. Is, and then next to him was his friend, who, this is the funny one, who slept the entire time. He what? literally was falling asleep. I was drunk, probably. And everyone is screaming at him to wake up, and they're shaking him to wake him up in the game. And I felt bad for the kid. I'm like, do you want to get a, get a Coke? Here's some money. Just get coffee. Like, you're, sleeping. you're sleeping through the Super Bowl. You're nuts. And then next to me was a a, a woman who dances at 11, which we know in Miami. So she was standing there. And then there was another, some other people from 11 that were standing. I mean, it was a motley crew over motley crews. And, and then behind me was a guy who looked like uh, Aaron Donald. So luckily for me, the first, like, beginning of the game, he didn't let, I was in behind Aaron Donald, but then he moved back and let me go in front of him. And I was able to sit, I was able to get, I had to lean over a glass uh, thing to just take, to watch the game on the one side. But I, I saw almost everything. As long as I wasn't blocked, of course, if I stood more to the right by the Rams, which I was hoping the real Rams. But that was, they were all Rams in that section, all Rams fans. But then that was the Cincinnati side. So everybody, I couldn't believe how many Bengals fans were there. They were just packed everywhere. Bengals, that whole Bengals side was like Cincinnati. I didn't see them walk around in the town at all, but they, had, they were there on that one side. Like with all these events and parties, and nobody was wearing any Super Bowl stuff. It's too cool for LA to, to do something like that. But I was well, hoping to see Bengals fans, but I didn't see any of it. But they were all at the game, ready to go. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised by that, too. I didn't think they would have traveled so well. 721, this is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. Follow Ira everywhere on social media at Ira on Sports. The executive director of the Honda Classic, Ken Kennerly, joins us at 740. Uh, let's talk about the game a little bit, Ira. you have like a little um, like a rundown of what we should be expecting here uh, before the game? Well, I want to tell you something. I, was, I, I made the prediction, as you said, I thought the Rams were going to blow them out. And I was not sold on the Bengals at all. And I, it's just one of those things where I think, the, I think the game played out in many ways. And I even was on Instagram and did, did a post. I said, this game's over at, uh, when they were up 10-3. I thought it was like, oh, they're going to ready to blow this game out. And they didn't. And it was, in the, it, it was the Stafford intercept. They didn't, but it's like the Bengals could not get any offense. They struggled in the red zone. They get two field goals. I mean, really, they had one touchdown drive, which was uh, illegal. They used a you know, face mask, which should have been called back. The other was a halfback option pass. So they, they're really terrible in the red zone. And they ended up with two field goals. And somehow the Rams let them in the game. 
I just don't think the Bengals are that good a team. They have no offensive line. They had no right to be there. And still, the Rams, I, I think the Rams were hurt. I think if Odell Beckham Jr. would have stayed, I think it was the key play for the Rams. If the Rams lost, Stafford's play and Beckham getting hurt would have been the two big things. When Beckham went down, it just seemed when Beckham was in the game, he was ready to run. I mean, he was going to be MVP of the Super Bowl. Like, he was going to have 200. Like, Cup was the MVP. I thought Beckham was going to get Because he, he, clearly, they were doubling Cup. And Beckham was just, it was like, whatever you want to do. And Stafford just knows he was open and throwing to him. They only caught a couple, two passes, one for a touchdown and one for 30 yards. But I think short of that, I think Beckham would have had, like, a 10-catch, 200-yard game MVP. But when he went down... Everything stopped for the Rams, and I think they were that just set them back. But that was to me the key play of the game. That, and then the fact that the Bengals, who when waking up in the fourth quarter with this lead, couldn't hold the lead on because they couldn't even score a point. They they did not score a point in the final twenty five minutes of the game. So they don't deserve to win. They complain all they want, but their offense just shut down and they weren't able to. And that's where credit to the Rams defense. But that's where some people are saying, you know, Aaron Donald should be the MVP, not Cooper Cup. But both were well deserving. They should have probably gave co MVPs really. Yeah, the final four, five possessions was punt, 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 turnover on downs. You, you're not gonna, you know, that, that's not gonna not gonna win a game for you there. Um, you you want to talk about uh, go to the first half, see what what, what uh, how this transpired? Yeah, I mean, it was like you know, I, I, we talked about you know the stats. I just want, yeah, they go, I was gonna go to the stats first. I mean, first downs for the whole game. Rams had 15. Bengals, the Rams had 18. Bengals had. Uh, Mike, we do this all the time. We talk stats. Bengals 15 first downs. 15. That's nothing. Third down efficiency. The Bengals were three for 14, one for three on fourth down. The Rams were six for 15. They both ran about the same amount of plays. And in their yardages, the Rams only had 300 yards, the Bengals 300, and 75 of those yards were on that crazy pass play. Uh, passing yards, the Rams were you know 26 for 41, 270. Uh, Bengals were 23 of 34, 226. But you know, watching the game, when you talk about yards and completions, so many of Stafford's passes and Burroughs were like negative yardage passes to their backs. Like, you know, going through the, the play call, it, it's unbelievable how many negative passes there were in this game. I mean, Cup was the MVP with eight catches, 92 yards, two touchdowns. But I think the key with them, besides Beckham's two for 52, Hopkins had two, Henderson two, Jefferson four, Akers three. Uh, so other people got involved. I mean, Higgins had four catches for 100 yards, Chase five for 89. I mean, Higgins is vastly underrated. I mean, he is as elite as elite can go, and uh, I think you'll saw that even though people think that play was it was cheap. The the uh, the Akers, I mean, the, the Rams could run. 23 carries, I mean, I think that's one of the criticism of Sean McVay. It's like, you couldn't run the ball at all. The 23 carries, 43 yards. Uh, the Bengals ran the ball a little bit better with Mixon, 15 carries, 72 yards. And then the penalties, Rams were lucky. Only two penalties for 10 yards. Bengals had four penalties, 31 yards, but everyone's talking about those last penalties at the end of the game, and the time possession was 30-30, and the Bengals didn't turn the ball over. I mean, the fact is that that was an advantage that they had. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen, but in many ways, if you're like the Chief, if you're a Chiefs fan and you're a Titans fan, you're like, we should have beat this team like that. I mean, I'm sitting there, I'm Kansas City or Tennessee, I'm mad. Like, I'm like, this is, we should have won those games if we didn't turn our ball over, and the Rams just were able to overcome it a little bit, but you knew the Bengals were probably going to turn the ball over, but still... Um, the Rams were able to, to you know, with the, even with that two interceptions. But, uh, um, but you know, when the, when the game started, I think it was, you know, just to run down this first half thing, uh, I thought the Rams' the first possession was a mess. They went first they first drive, uh, Akers went no gain, Sacker, Stafford was sacked, and then a third and 17, Henderson ran the ball. I, weren't you surprised? Like, I couldn't believe that that, it seemed like just an inauspicious start for the Rams. There was a lot of really questionable third down calls throughout the entire game, I... Yeah, and then 
The Bengals went three and out, you know, which is what they did most of the game. It was three and out, and they punted the ball. I mean, Burrow threw to the Boyd. Now, this is so funny. It was like at the end of the game for eight yards. How many times it seemed like the Bengals were in like second and two and they get a first down? They were second and two, yeah. and then Mixon rushes for one yard, and then uh, Pierre, Pierre got no game. And then they get a fourth and one, and people were saying they should have went for it. Like in the, in the back of their own territory, I guess, uh, you know, I guess it was the Chargers, Brandon Scaly, he would have gone for it. <laughs> we need Brandon Scaly in the Super Bowl on the first <laughs> possession on your 20-yard line to go for it on fourth and one. I think that's what he was probably calling it. And then the Rams came down, and it was like Stafford scrambled for seven yards on third and four, cup for 20, and then on third and three on the 17th, Stafford Odell, seven nothing. And I'm saying, that was easy. That's yeah. exactly what the bank, that's what the Chiefs did. Like, I'm looking at the Chiefs game that I was two weeks ago, and I'm like, well, that's what the Chiefs did against them. Like, score easy. What did the Bengals do? Three and out, punt. Burrow to mix it for zero yards. Burrow to chase for six yards. And then Burrow to Evans incomplete. I mean, he just did not have time. You have no offensive line, nothing. But then what the Rams do when they get the ball back? They go three and out and punt. You know, third and seven and just a four-yard pass to Jefferson. It's just, I thought the beginning of the game was just so like, you're, this is, you know, you know, end in this game, win it. And then Bengals get the ball back. And they, they had a couple big plays. Burrow to chase, 46 yards pass to the Rams, 11. So they have first down on the eleven. Burrow's incomplete. Burrow, another incomplete pass, like three incompletion passes. They, they, the Bengals in the red zone. Here's a team that cannot score in the red zone. They have these wide receivers and everything, and they run the ball okay, but they're terrible in the red zone. And they a 29-yard field goal from McPherson. But that's exactly, look, four field goals against the Raiders, four field goals against the Titans, four field goals against the Chiefs. I said if they're going to keep losing kicking field goals and not touchdowns, they're going to lose. You can't just, that was terrible. But the Rams go back, uh, Stafford to Beckham for 35 yards, Stafford to cup uh, at the touchdown, and they missed the extra point, 13-3. That's when I'm saying this game is over. Like, it's going to be done. They're 13-3. The Bengals had their shot to score. That was it. But then the Bengals, you know, touchdown, that's where they were able to have that drive down. I mean, the Rams' defense, I thought that was one of the worst possessions I saw the Rams all year on defense where they just let the Bengals go down. But then on second and goal, they had to do that halfback option pass from uh, from Nixon to uh, uh, to Higgins for the touchdown to score to make it uh, 13-10. But that was, to me, that was like, that was crazy. And then the Rams, what are the Rams, you know, the Rams, then again, this is what got me scared. I mean, that Stafford, it's like third and, first of all, in that possession, in the next possession the Rams had, just beginning of the second quarter, it was, uh, they threw it to uh, Beckham on second and nine. And they didn't catch it, but he was hurt. And it was, the delay was like, it seemed so long in the stadium. I mean, there were delays the whole game, but he was hurt. They were going to bring the card on, not the card on. Like, you knew he was seriously hurt. And I think that totally flustered the Rams, that possession. And they threw another, got another first down. But then on third and 14, the interception, he just throws it up in the end zone. I mean, I have never seen a quarterback like Stafford. Like, why throw that pass? And he goes, it's better than a punt. It's, don't do that. Go get. They were in field. They were potentially in field goal range there. I just don't know. I've never seen a quarterback just throw the ball up in the end zone, like in the middle of the game, like when you knew. I mean, I'm standing behind. I could see where the ball. The Bates was going to intercept that. It was stupid. No, that was like a, a a rec league play. You know what I mean? Like something you'd see in a flag football game. And we've seen a lot of that though. These these playoffs in the end of the season, guys throwing some really ill advised uh, stuff here. Iron Sports Trolley Channel Ten Minutes. Ken Kennerly joins us. So what uh, what happened next? And then the Bengals. And this is what I thought. Again, these coaching uh, – Zach Taylor, I just questioned everything he was doing the game. So it's second and 10 on the 21. Burrow threw to Boyd for four yards. So there's 40 seconds left. They're back in their own territory in, like, the middle 20. It's third and six. They can't move the ball at all. Burrow's getting sacked. Like, call it a day. Like, whatever. So Bengals then call it – they get third and six. The Rams are sort of letting the game run out anyway themselves. 
And they call a timeout. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Why would they call a time? I can't fathom. Like, what were they thinking? They're going to throw a big pass. Like, there was one, what's the next play? Bro got sacked for eight yards. Like, I just can't understand. Like, you're in the, you're, you know, you're sort of, it's 13-3. Like, there's problems everywhere. You get, get reorganized. I mean, not, they could have, and then the Rams get the ball back, and I'm thinking, wow, they have their chance. This is their chance to go and, like, end this game now. You know, and they, what do they do? They go uh, three and out. Like, it was, it was, uh, that was, that was, that was ridiculous. But uh, it was uh, uh, Rams had six possessions in the first half, six, three punts, two touchdowns, and an interception. And the Bengals had five punts on their uh, possession, a field goal, and a touchdown. But uh, you know, the second, you know, we could talk. We'll talk about the halftime show, which was you know amazing, and people talk about it. And I think in LA, it was very, it meant a lot because all these performers were all LA people, and so people were like that. With these, are, they were very popular with all the celebrities there. I mean, I saw everything. Just at the halftime show was, you know, the best halftime show they've ever seen, and those things. And uh, it's harder, you know, when you're there. It was impressive, but you don't hear. Remember, when you're in the stadium, you don't hear it as well as you see it on TV. It's totally different because you're so far away. And like when they were underneath that that uh, building they had, you can see the, the performers at all. They were almost oh, yeah. from us watching it when you're in the stadium. No, that makes sense. Um, the way it's set up, especially if you're higher up, you're not going to be able to see what's going on at all. It was a great halftime show, though, especially, you know, I kind of grew up with that music, so it was great for the, uh, you know, the millennial age people, but they, they really knocked it out of the park with that. Um, let's go to the second half now. It, it, you know, towards the end of the first half and then more so in the second half, it seemed to me that Zach Taylor is overmatched, and he's still my coach of the year for what he's done, but he didn't seem to, he seemed in over his head, if that, if that's the right way to say it. Well, I think he was over his head because he didn't finish the game up because they got that they on the pass to Higgins, which was a completely offensive pass interference over Ramsey. And I have great pictures, which I'm going to put on Iron Sports. I mean, I have the play where Ramsey's falling. I love this picture. So my, some of my best pictures where I have uh, Burrow throwing it, the catch being made, and then the catch running for a touchdown. But when they score that touchdown to make it 17-3, and then what does Stafford do? This reminded me of the Keys game so much. Stafford throws an interception, just like Roman Mahomes in the second half where he threw that stupid interception. It's like now, and he throws an interception, and the Bengals come down, and, uh, and, and, they, and, and they, it's first and 10 on the 18, and third and three on the 11. And this is where it's third and three on the Rams 11, and Burrow got sacked by Aaron, Aaron Donald. And that, to me, that and the sack at the end of the game was just uh, – uh, uh, just amazing because that sack um, it was was crucial because it, it, again they couldn't score a touchdown they were pushed back they couldn't score and for for Donald to come in there and sack him and uh, it was just just uh, just huge I mean I just one of the biggest things because but even with the field goal it made a twenty thirteen with ten fifteen left in the third quarter but they don't score on their next five drives not a touchdown not a field goal they stayed at that twenty it was like playing twenty one they were at twenty <laughs> and then the Rams but then the Rams they could. Rams themselves couldn't score. Because the Rams come down, they go, they stick they, a field goal. Um, it was third and five, and then they did that Cooper Cup pass into Stafford. What are these teams in the Super Bowl with these passes? I mean, I think Brady, you know, that cost, that was, uh, that uh, perhaps almost cost Brady, that cost Brady in the Super Bowl against the Eagles when they ran that pass to him. And then, but when Nick Foles is, I think, the last quarterback that ever ran that successful play, why would they run that? I think it's just so stupid. I mean, it's hard for a quarterback to catch a ball, so why do you run these plays in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't know why they they brought the Philly special out. <laughs> I guess it's it's become a a staple of the Super Bowl now that people just want to see it. No, that that was strange. I mean, one of the bigger prop bets was you know over two and a half people would throw a pass in the game, meaning they're some kind of trick play. So we got to see that as well. Um, 
So what happened after this? It was four. It was four. They each had has two halfback options. So it was yeah. four people. No, but yeah, the over-under was two and a half. <laughs> so it was an easy over. What, uh, well, what happened next? It's going to be like four. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. now they know. I mean, I, I thought that was an easy bet. Not that I placed it, but I thought that would, that would have been a slam dunk. But, um, yeah, so how did this game end? Well, then Bengals, you know, get three plays and out. Bur- Burrow is sacked uh, again. You know, uh, he lost. Then the Bengals get the ball. They go three and out. I mean, they're, they're down 2016. So you're waiting for the Bengals to put that 27 to 16. Go up the two scores. Do something. Go up two scores. And the Bengals have a chance, you know, lose it. Then the Rams come. You're like, take the lead. The Rams, Stafford got sacked. <laughs> End of the, the Bengals get the ball. They go three and out. Burrow's got sacked twice on this, on this, on this, on this, play, on this drive. I mean, they couldn't even get it. They got like one first down on like four drives. Fourth quarter started, the Rams were, you know, they were still were conservative. Acres five yards, Acres minus two yards, Stafford to Jefferson incomplete. Like, what are the Rams doing? Like, it's 2016. Like, they're supposed to be this high-flying offense. But I think that's where the Odo Beckham Jr., they started to get really conservative because Beckham wasn't in the game. They didn't have Robert Woods, who got hurt, you know, a few, uh, in the middle of the season. And that's why they brought that one of them after they signed Beckham and Woods got hurt. And, and I just think they went conservative. But the Bengals, who had their chance to do everything, I mean, this is – Burrow to Boyd for 16 yards, and there was third and nine on the 34, and Burrow got sacked by Vaughn Miller. Again, like, this is, a, like, they could not get a drive. They couldn't even get a field goal. Like, they could have won this game with two field goals. Like, score two field goals, and then they win the game on any of these drives, and they get, he gets sacked again. I mean, it's just constant. But the Rams get the ball back. Again, Stafford couldn't get a drive down. So, I mean, everyone's talking about how Stafford's redemption, he did win, but I don't think he played great. I mean, there's missing players. that incomplete passing for him to score it. It was like a high school players could make that play. And the Bengals get the ball, and uh, seven plays, 24 yards. This was, to me, the key drive. 9.58 left, they get it in the fourth quarter. This is their chance, score a touchdown, end this game. Mix it for 12 yards, third and two on the 35, to pass Evans for three yards, Burrow to mix it, then they became third and nine on the Cincinnati 40. And Burrow threw a strike to Boy going across the middle. He dropped it. I watched it on the replay. I watched it again on my, my phone when I videotaped it. you got to catch that ball. He catches, I mean, again, they just could not, it's not Burrow's fault, but Tyler Boyd's just a terrible drop. And then the Rams get the ball. They call it the greatest drive of all time. Oh, there's a 15 oh, play, 79 yards. But you're, yeah, you're waiting for this drive. This is like the fourth time for the drive to start. But, you know, they started with five minutes left, third and two, Stafford to Hopkins, passed the cup for 22, passed the cup for eight yards. And then it was first and goal in the eight. And this is what I give Stafford credit for. This was exactly like the Kansas City game. They were down three, Kansas City was, and they were coming down in that game. And they, and they, uh, and, you know, against Cincinnati, and Cincinnati was able to sack Mahomes running around, you know, and then he has like third and 30, and then they forced a field goal. In this case, Stafford kept the ball, kept getting this pass interference penalties got it on uh the question did logan wilson hold on cop i think he did and i think you call it i, I mean i don't think it's that bad a call to make uh i was i'm not so whatever i think was the word i mean he did interfere with them but there's been holding all game if you're a bengals fan you're upset if you're not you know you're a rams fan you don't care but i think it was the fact that they just keep getting more it's the fact that there was interference on apple and it was first to go in the one and then the pass to cup but it was eventually, you know, but again, they were able to score there the touchdown. That's what the Chiefs, remember, the Chiefs went down and kicked the field goal, forced it to overtime. They couldn't score, and they did. And then the Bengals get the ball back. You know, the first play, Burrow to chase 17 yards. They're first and 10 on the 42. Burrow threw to Boyd for nine yards. And this is a problem we have with Tuck Ben's first quarter. Second and one, Burrow threw to chase, you know, this long pass. 
he misses. It was way over his head. Third and one, Perrine gets no gain. And then on fourth and one, when the whole game is on the line, they're waiting for them to at least get in position, kick a field goal, you know, because McPherson can kick from anywhere, and kick a field goal, send to overtime, ready for an overtime game. Then uh, I was shocked that they passed it on that play. Like, run the ball. Burrow gets sacked by Aaron Donald, and the game's over. I mean, that was the end of the game. And it was just, it was sort of like this shocking ending. Like, I'm waiting for field goal, overtime, this, that. Maybe the Rams have a chance with a few seconds left to score at the end of the regulation. But that sack just ended the entire game right then and there. I thought, without a doubt, as you said, I thought that it was finally going to come together and they were at least going to get a field goal. My issue here, why is Samaj P. Ryan getting the, getting the ball twice here uh, with your last two plays of your season? There is he's the 10th best skill player on that team. And I know you want to, you know, everyone's saying today, well, you got to, you know, put in your third down back. So it's, you know, deception. That's BS at this point. Have your best players in there. You need playmakers right now more than anything. I think that was a a terrible call. Once that no gain on third down happened, I was like, this is not going to be good. And not to run again. Why don't you put, you know, you have second and one. Run Mixon. Run Mixon again. I, I, and, and again, Burrow was, every time you put him back, I, I, I just, I agree with you about that. Taylor, I don't know what he was thinking. I know he was thinking that you had to do it, but Mixon was getting yards running, and, and their offensive line was a complete and utter disaster. But at this point, Dar, uh, Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald and, and Vaughn Miller were just, you know, teeing off on Burrow. And so, it was a surprise at first, but it's like that was no different than the six of the first, the previous six. Well, you know, he wasn't technically sacked. I guess he threw the ball. You know, he was spun around and he threw the ball, just like he did how they ended against San Francisco against Garoppolo. But that was just I, I, the whole thing. He, I mean, this it was a gift to the Bengals. It was a gift. And I mean, everyone's talking about, well, this is Burrow's chance. You know, the Bengals are saying, we're a young team, we're going to come back. And then we're compared to the Dolphins, the Dolphins and those things. And, you know, with Marino never being back. And there's all those issues that, what was it? But I, I just think, yeah, the Bengals, they didn't deserve to be in the game, I don't think. They won, but they weren't, you know, the best team in the SC. But they're in the game and they're leading it. Just win it. And they couldn't, they just couldn't win it. And I just think the play calling was it was stupid. And I, again, I just, I was amazed at how poor that last drive, I, it's just, I mean, you're a Chiefs and you're tight. Did you like, why couldn't they have been that stupid against us? Like, <laughs> even the Raiders, the Raiders probably think, why could the Bengals be like that against us? I mean, Raiders, Titans, and Chiefs fans are sitting there like, I cannot believe this team beat us. I literally, if I in their shoes. I'm like, how did we lose that game? So. No, listen, I, I'm with you, but the other big, you know, talking point today is, is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer now? I... He's not to me. I don't know. Was, okay, first of all, if you're going to make him a Hall of Famer, then you've got to put Eli Manning in the Hall because then there's no question about Eli Manning. Because, but, you know, he's going to have all the stats in the world. I, you can make him a Hall of Famer. I think everybody's getting the Hall of Fame. But I don't think he played. That's why he didn't win the MVP. They gave it to Cup. They had to give it to someone. But I would have given it to Donald, Aaron Donald instead. Uh, Aaron Donald instead because I think he was defense with really what stopped the, the Bengals in the fourth quarter. I, I just can't. I would give. I would have given it. I, you know, giving it to Cup is fine. But you know, some of these uh, bowl games do an offensive MVP and a defensive MVP. I think that's what they should really start doing in these events. Like they should have an offensive and defensive. I think it's it's hard to say because you're always going to be leaning to the offensive player to get the MVP. It's you know whatever. But I think whether Stafford should be in the Hall of Fame for this, maybe. His stats are up there. Maybe he'll win another one. Who knows? I mean, we'll yeah. see what happens. But I don't think he played. I don't think this was a great game. Like, I, he was missing passes. Like, I, and the Rams fans saw it, too. Like, I mean, he looked like, I mean, I've been to Super Bowls with Jimmy G and Jared Goff. I mean, there was a lot of that in him. Like, he was, I don't see, I didn't feel like Burrow missed 
passes. I thought Stafford missed passes. Stafford threw interceptions. He missed passes. I don't think he played great, but you know, he let him on the drive at the end and got help things. But, you know, he won, and that gives him a, a title. I'll give it, you know, he wants to be in the Hall of Fame. Let him be <laughs> I'm sure he wants it, I. Uh, let's go to uh, Ken Kennerly joins us. He's the executive director of the Honda Classic. Uh, Ken, thank you so much for uh, spending a little bit of time with us. I know you're super busy right now, but it's crazy. Uh, you know, Honda Week begins in just a week, and we are uh, this Thursday, a week from then, we'll start golfing. Well, yeah, good evening. Um, we have what's called Advance Week, which is always kind of the uh, you know the lead-up to the big week, obviously. But this is where we get everything finished, and things are coming together well. It's going to be a fantastic week next week at PJ National. So me and Ira were at the uh, press conference last Tuesday. And, you know, Ken, I've been following the Honda Classic and working, you know, in partnership with you guys for over a decade now. And every year, I'm shocked. Like, wow, they've done a lot more. Look at what's new at the Honda Classic. This year, <laughs> from the 2021 to the 2022 tournament, it's almost doubled in just magnitude. The things that you guys are going to roll out this year at the Honda Classic is fantastic. So tell us about it. Well, you know, Mike, it, it's uh, we just continue to grow. I mean, you know, 21, obviously, the COVID year, so everything's bigger than 21. But we're, we're back at it. We've got a, a full build. We're actually about 10% over where we were in 2020. We're going to have 350-plus thousand square feet of hospitality decks and bleachers, et cetera, out there. And uh, this new double-decker bear trap, the Gosling bear trap, is going to be uh, – it's always on fire, as you know, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty magical. And, you know, we just came off of watching the uh, the WM Phoenix Open, which, you know, as we all know, is just such a such a great event, and it's all about entertainment. And, and that's really what we've done at the Honda when we took it over 16 years ago. And it's about creating fun and excitement. And golf inside the ropes is going to take care of itself, but, you know, it's what we do outside the ropes and, and uh, you know, make it such a – an exhilarating event for the fans to come out and really have a great time. So, you know, you guys are big fans. We've been partners with you for many, many years, and uh, I just can't wait to uh, to see the the smile and the amazement on people's faces when they get out there this year and to see that, you know, not only is the Honda Classic back at it in full steam, but it's just great to see uh, our great community in Palm Beach Gardens and Palm Beach County and, of course, our great state of Florida just really rolling out the red carpet for these athletes. No, you guys do. And it really is. It's South Florida's premier event, in my opinion. The biggest thing that we have all year. Again, we're talking to Ken Kennerly, Executive Director, Honda Classic. Learn more, thehondaclassic.com. Ira, you have anything for Ken? Uh, Ken, I just, I mean, I think that people have to understand. I know it's a little hard to read. Our connection can be a little bad to hear. But, um the bear trap and what you're creating there that people who say, Oh, I don't like to walk around on golf. I don't want to walk 18 holes. I'm older or I'm tired. or I'm lazy. or I don't want to it's like, you don't have, you can go to the Honda and sit and have a great time at the 17 or, and at how many, tell me how many other holes. And you know, I'm going to go to the Genesis this weekend. I, there might have to be like three holes or stands on. You almost have stands on every single hole and party central, like everywhere. It is, it is not one of those things where people say, oh, I have to go follow a golfer and walk into, you don't have to do that. You could just go one place and enjoy yourself all day. Well, you know, Ira, it's, it's a great point. Thanks for bringing it up. I mean, we, we are the leader on the PJ tour in terms of the number of open to the public structures, meaning that if you have just a general grounds pass, you know, you pay the 50, $55 at the gate, you come in, um, you know, you have, we have over 20 structures that the public can come get a tip up chair, get a, you know, a preferred sight line. And, you know, these structures, let's, you know, we can go through just a few of them, you know, FPL patio on 17 green, the Tito's still house lounge open to the public. Okay. You got to be 21 or older to be in the Tito's lounge. 
open to the public. The Garden of Life Oasis, open to the public. Cobra Puma Bleachers, right there on 17P, open to the public. You know, we have the Jupiter Medical Center Bleachers on 16 Green, open to the public. We have our new Bourbon Partnership uh, distillery out there at, uh, at 16, half, you know, at the uh, dog leg there. You've got the Corona Premier Clubhouse on 15 Green, the beginning of the bear trap, open to the public. I mean, these are opportunities for the public to come out. And when I say public, I mean the general, just general ticket holder, the grounds ticket holder, to come out and, and certainly, you know, enjoy yourself. And, you know, we saw the greatest spectacle in golf last week at the, the Phoenix Open, as I mentioned. But you take away 16, 17 there, and, you know, they've got maybe builds on four holes. We've got it all over the golf course. And also at PJ National, for those of your listeners that have been out there, you have 11 holes of golf within 200 yards, maybe 150 yards of the nucleus of the bear trap. And it's, it's a core golf course. It really lends itself so well. You don't have to walk. You know, you're not putting in a six-mile hike to get down to watch golf. <laughs> You've got 11 holes of golf right there in the middle of the golf course. And, of course, the middle of the golf course is where the legendary and iconic air trap is. So it's, just a, it's, a, it's a great course to watch golf on. It's very exciting because, obviously, those three holes of golf, those iconic holes that Jack Nicholas designed, are, are really you know, quite the fish, finishing holes. I mean, short, perhaps, of Eamon Corner at Augusta National. You know, we are the three most famous, uh, you know, stretch of holes probably on the PGA Tour. So it's just, it's fun. And we just create so much energy and excitement. And, you know, True Green Backyards, the new partner bars, I forgot to mention them, open to the public. I mean, you know, my wife built the Couture Club. That's that's obviously a membership-driven deal. We've got uh, Concord Tequila open to the public. There's so many other opportunities there for the fan to come out and have a great time. And I think, honestly, you know, that's why we've been successful in that. It's not about... You know, at the end of the day, we're going to have a great champion because PJ National is such a tough golf course, and obviously the cream rises to the top. But the public comes out, our consumers come out, our corporate partners, community, they come out because they see everybody. It's a great networking opportunity. They have a great time. And we've got such a beautiful campus there at PJ National and, and you know, the city of Palm Beach Garden. So it's, we've got so many great things going for us. We're very fortunate. And, you know, it's just so I run into so many people that – haven't been to a golf tournament. They might watch it on TV. They'll watch Tiger. Is Tiger in that? But the point is, this is a tournament that you can go to. That that you you don't. This could be your first golf tournament, and you get hooked. I mean, go. You can bring your kids. If you don't realize, you kids get her for free. There's 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 so much stuff for kids to do there, and it's the greatest thing to take them. And they're like, well, how can kids oversee when people are standing around the greens? Everybody lets the kids in the front row anyway. You're sitting in the front row watching these golfers, and the golfers are great. The caddies are throwing their gloves to them, the balls to them. They treat the kids great. I mean, it's it's just a fun atmosphere for everybody to go out there and enjoy yourself. And you don't have to know who's golfing. You don't have to know what the scores. You don't even know what the how the rules are, you know, but as long as you go out there, it's like one of those things that it is a complete spectacle. And I'm t- I tell people that, like, you know, if you're going to go to a golf co- tournament, this is your first one, this is probably the best one to go to, don't you know, because it's, the, it, it's a thing where it's easy for you to go and sit and watch, and you're not like, you know, like the Masters running and putting your chair down and have to stand at your chair and you can't move or you have to, you know, fight through crowd after crowd after crowd. It's like one of those things you can go, enjoy yourself stay in one place, talk to your friends, just have a good time and uh, enjoy, enjoy golf. Well, it, it, you know, it really is. And thanks for all those great comments, both you guys. And, you know, I, I've got a, it's just a couple, a couple of quickies here. I've got to hit on. We've got our kickoff party this Thursday, this year. It's at PJ national. It's not at the gardens mall where it's traditionally been, you know, with COVID and everything else, it just wasn't the thing to do there. Um, even though, you know, 
we don't have any mandates at the tournament whatsoever, so we're full on. Um, but the kickoff party is Thursday at 6 to 9 at PJ National, and, and anyone's welcome to come. There is a $50 contribution uh, that goes to Honda Classic Cares for those coming in. We're going to have food and beverage out there at the Masters Terrace and the Honda Pavilion. But that's going to be just a phenomenal event to kick off the 2022 Honda Classic. And then also, I mean, to your point, Ira, we have, we've really become a destination for a lot of people wanting to come you know, this time of year, late February, they want to get out of the Northeast, they want to get out of Chicago and everything else. We have people coming in from Maryland, from New York, from Boston, from D.C. I mean, you name it, they're coming down. Because it's the fun and it's the party. They're staying at PGA National or they're staying in Palm Beach Gardens. They're staying in West Palm. You know, obviously we have trip, we have spring training, unfortunately. Well, we don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, that's another subject altogether. But, you know, there's so much going on in our community this time of year that, People come down here, they play golf, they have fun at golf, they watch golf, they go see some baseball, they go to the beaches, they visit West Palm, they visit Palm Beach. It's just, we're, we live in a magical place down here, as we all know, and we're so fortunate. We're just, we're just so fortunate to have, uh, you know, right now, the, the control of, you know, one of the greatest sporting events in Southeast Florida. Well, Ken, I really appreciate you coming on Iron Sports and telling us about it. I mean, I'm pumped and, and ready for it, and I think it's going to be another great event. I know, I mean, for you, it's it's a year-round. You are just every day doing this, and I really appreciate you coming on and talking about the show. And I just encourage anybody that's interested, you know, this is just a fun thing to go to, and you're fortunate. I mean, this is something that, that you know, you should really go out for one at least one of the days and see everything. Well, absolutely, and again, I got to – this Thursday, the kickoff party, you can go to our website, thehondaclassic.com. You can get information on the kickoff party on February 17th. You know, by the way, for the golfers that are listening, Tim Rosenford's Celebration of Life, our great friend Timmy that passed away. Our media room is named after Tim Rosenford. That, that service is at uh, Christ Fellowship at 2 o'clock on Thursday, open to the public. And then that night, we're celebrating the kickoff of the Honda Classic. And as we roll into next week, we got Women's Leadership Forum on Tuesday. And then, of course, it just kicks off the great Honda Classic week. So appreciate all the support and coverage, guys. We look forward to seeing you all out there. He is Ken Kennerly, Executive Director of the Honda Classic. A great guy, great golf tournament. Ira, what you said, you, you hit the nail on the head, and it's kind of funny. Um, my mom is in her early 70s, and she went with you – know, she, she could care less about sports – she went with a friend about six years ago, and now she goes back every year. Brings more friends. And, you know, she's like going there to shop. You know, it's like, and just see everything, like see the spectacle. Like you said, they win fan-friendly golf tournament almost every year. You know, best for the fans, and it really is, Ira, and that's why we love being out there. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm you know, it, it's, it's like one of those things where the fields and uh, it's, it's Brooks is there. We can go over the players and those things. You know, there's no Tiger. They don't need, you know, it's now so big, it doesn't need anybody. It's just, it's going to have 350, 400,000 fans there. I mean, it's going to be crazy. And, uh, and that's what I think the fun aspect of the tournament is. And it's, it really doesn't need the, the star power of a Tiger Woods or, or, or any of the big names in golf. Even though Brooks will be there and some other golfers will. But I think in order to become a very popular event. Let's uh, talk a little NBA here. We haven't talked much about it yet this year. A trade that I, I mean, we thought that James Harden was going to get moved, but I did not see that this this trade in particular coming. Well, I think for Ben Simmons, I think people talk about this trade. I think they've been talking. I think what I think a lot of people felt that the Sixers, I mean, would wait until the end of the year. I mean, Ben Simmons is their star guard, who I was there in Philadelphia where fans were booing him. I, he might be the most hated person in Philadelphia sports history. Um, he was horrendous last year in the playoffs. 
he not only his re- his reputation has been he's never developed a three point shot, and then in the he can't shoot from anywhere. <laughs> from free, he wasn't shooting free throws. He was not, and then at the end of the game they hit a layup, and I mean it was like you know, he gets he couldn't make a layup. He wouldn't he wouldn't shoot an open layup. I mean Charles Smith would make fun of for missing a layup. At least Charles Smith attempted the layup. You know when Oakley talked about Charles Smith the layup, you know against the uh, against the Bulls. Yeah. I mean Simmons had a wide open layup, didn't take it. Uh, couldn't do anything, really shouldn't have been in the, on the court. He makes $35 million a year. And this year, he doesn't want to play because he's upset with the team, and so he's giving up all this money. He's not hurt. There's not COVID. There's not this. He just doesn't want to play the games. And so clearly that was a problem, and they traded Seth Curry's death brother and Andre Drummond, a, a very good center, so uh, to, the, to, the, to the Nets. Now, the Nets traded seven draft picks, plus uh, Karis LeVert and plus Jared Allen, who are both now on the Cavaliers and superstars, really becoming the league young superstars, to get hard in the first place. And then the Terrence, but, you know, with Durant, but Durant and er, Kyrie Irving did not get along with, I mean, Durant gets along with almost everybody. Durant, uh, Kyrie and Harden were fighting, but, you know, Kyrie doesn't play on, on the home games because of COVID restrictions, and Harden was still not playing, you know, well. You know, it, the whole thing was a mess in Brooklyn. They, the fact is, they were together for almost a year, a little over a year, and they only played 16 games together. <laughs> the whole year, 16 games. And, uh, so people say, who wins this trade? I mean, initially, I really think the Sixers should win this trade because I think Harden fits perfectly with Embiid. They both are excellent drawing fouls. They both shoot 80% from the foul line. They both shoot threes. They can run the pick and roll like Stockton Malone, but Harden's a much better shooter, so they can step back on the stick, and Embiid's a better shooter than Malone. They are going to be a dynamic team together between these two of them. I think it was a real like, I really think for the Sixers it helps them, um, and I, so I think the Sixers will win the trade, but because I, I don't think Simmons can play. I mean, part of this is I don't think Simmons can play. And, you know, and you, he's owed $35 million for another three more years. So I just don't – I mean, I just I – mean, he's a great defender. He's talented. He's the first player in the draft. Um, but I just don't see where this – how. I, I just I, – again, I'm not a Ben Simmons fan. As much as Harden has played, it's not the Harden it was three years ago. But I think he's motivated. But then again, Harden wasn't motivated in Houston. Got traded out there. Got gone by the pier. They got traded there. I, hopefully he's motivated for the Sixers situation. What uh, what other trades went down as the deadline passed uh, the other day? Just some key ones. Tyrese Halliburton, no one knows. Tyrese Halliburton is a superstar, and he played for Sacramento. So he's playing at like at 1 in the morning, and no one's watching him, but he's amazing. He played at Iowa State, and now he's uh, he was traded to the Pacers, who are terrible this year for Sabonis, their center, who people don't really watch too. This is a trade of two bad teams trading, but I think – I think Sabonis is going to be very good for Sacramento, and I really I think it's good because they have Darren Fox, who's a good point guard. I think this works out perfectly as someone has Halliburton on my fantasy teams on both teams. And the first night for so the Pacers, he had 16 assists and 23 points. He's really good. Like if the Pacers are playing, please watch him play because he's really nice. The Clippers traded a boss, Serge Ibaka to Milwaukee for Dante Descendio. Great trade for Milwaukee because Milwaukee's a really good team. And add another person like Obaka because Brooke Lopez is out. I thought that was a smart move for them. And I think he's going to really add playing with Bobby Portis, playing really well. The Heat really made no moves except they traded Casey Opaka. But interesting, Goran Dragic, who has been, you know, was a tra- they traded Dragic to get Lowry to Toronto. Uh, then the Toronto waived him because of different things. And he's been bouncing around sort of in this, these trade portals. Uh, he is available, so he could potentially, you know, sign with the Heat. So that's a, another something that he could make a move. But you know, right now the Heat are up in the first. You know, it's the whole the East is bunched between the Heat and the uh, and, and the Bucks and the Cavs. 
uh, are all are all within the, you know just within within a few games of each other. Seventy sixers are two and a half back. The Celtics have won an eight in a row, and they're and they're four and a half back. And then uh, the Raptors have won eight and lost ten, and they're in the seventh seed. And then there's Brooklyn, who's won lost eleven in a row. I mean, this I've talked about this. Brooklyn is now without Simmons, who isn't playing. Uh, Kevin Durant is out injured for at least another couple of weeks, and they're going to keep losing games. And then you have uh, there's no Ben Simmons not playing. No, Kyrie only plays away games, and they have a lot of games against Washington and, and, and the Knicks where the COVID restrictions are in place. You know, they might lose like nineteen out of twenty. The benefits of Brooklyn is that who the Hornets could pass them and Atlanta could pass them, but Washington is three games behind them. The Knicks are four and a half. I mean, it would be amazing if the Knicks somehow got that tenth spot. I mean, you know, you know there's everybody you get. You know, the only teams you get 15, 10 teams in a you know, ten teams make the playoffs, and only five are eliminated. So you're going through this whole mess to see that. But uh, so that's what's happening in the West, real quick. Suns are just playing amazing, and that's why I think Chris Paul should get consideration for uh, MVP. They're forty six and ten. That record's amazing. They went five in a row. The Warriors have a good year. They're four and a half games back. Memphis is seven. Jazz eleven. Dallas thirteen. Denver fifteen. You know, to keep going, going, going. The Lakers. If you want to watch, stay up late and watch a disaster. Watch them. They're <laughs> twenty and a half back. Twenty and a half. They've only played 50-some games. The Lakers have won less, you know, 20 games less than the Suns. They're 26-31. Uh, they've, they've lost three in a row. They're three and seven in the last ten. And hopefully, you know, you know for to someone who hates the Lakers, someone I, I you know, Lakers I like, but I mean, if some of you hate the Lakers, you got Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, Sacramento. They're all three behind the Lakers. Let them pass them. And it would be amazing if, it would be amazing if the Lakers and the Nets, the two favorites to make the finals, to play in the NFL finals, they could even be a top ten, you know, make we make the playoffs when ten teams make it. So it's pretty. That's from the basketball perspective. What the Lakers and the Nets are doing is just it's mind blowing. Mind blowing. Let's uh, let's talk a little Olympics. You know, I was really worried early on, Ira. Uh, USA did not come out of the gate strong. They've since rallied, and they are third overall in medals with sixteen uh, behind Norway and Russia with seven golds. Anything uh, you want to chip in here? Oh, I, there were some nice stories. I, I'm not watching the Olympics at all. There's, you can't when you're here in the Super Bowl. Into it. But Lindsay Jacobalis, uh, snowboarding, won, first won her gold medals. Uh, the speeds were doing well in the speed skating. This, uh, Aaron Jackson, uh, 500 meters. I like what, you know, they did something nice in this. So they had a speed skating, like the, the trials, the Olympic trials. Aaron Jackson is considered the number one speed skater in the world. Everyone knows she is. Well, she tripped up in the trials. So smartly, instead of saying, okay, Aaron, you can't be in the Olympics, Brittany Bowe stepped aside and said, Aaron, you're the number one person in the world. You've been in them for four years. You go in the Olympics. Now, Bowe was able to get in through another, because they, some teams couldn't qualify. So she, it worked out for her in the end. But I thought that was nice. That was smart what they do. You can't, on a trials, not allow, have your best, send your best people. Nathan Chen, uh, figure skating, men's figure skating gold. I mean, Nathan Chen would be the superstar. If this was in prime time, everybody's watching it, not with the Super Bowl, everyone know him. And Chloe Kim, again, defends her uh, gold medal in the women's snowboard. I mean, we're so good in these snowboarding, it's great. And then the Russians, doping again. I mean, this, this like country is just known for their doping. And uh, they're I mean, they have a what a 15-year-old uh, figure skater who weighs like 100 some pounds of doping, but you know, it's taking a banned substance, and they're still going to let her. St- you know, it just they 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 didn't even, they even call it the Russian Olympic team. They have to call it the Russian Olympic Committee, but they're all called Russians. It's like again, the comment is, what can the Russians do to get banned? Like they continually, you know, they're on probation, they're on secret probation, they're double secret probation. They're like in a while, but they continuously cheat, and it doesn't matter. They still keep competing. So. That's to see what happens in the Olympics. I mean, I think it's usually the hockey is the good part of the end, but this isn't our, you know, they don't have the star hockey players. You don't really have that coming up. So 
<laughs> you know, we, we just talked to uh, Ken Kenley of the Honda Classic. Let's talk about the waste management. I, I don't think a lot of people saw what was a great Sunday of golf. Ended up being a playoff between Scotty Scheffler and Patrick Cantlay, with Scotty Scheffler taking the, down the win. I didn't watch any of the golf, I have to admit. I, I, saw, I was at the Super Bowl, so you can't watch it. Yeah. I cannot believe I'm going to just criticize CBS. Why they end the golf tournament this close to the Super Bowl, like when the Super Bowl's are starting, I, it's just it's, it's, it's a malpractice for like managing golf tournaments. Why in the world would end with CBS not? I was listening to Mad Dog Russo earlier today. He said the same thing. I'm like, I'm at the Super Bowl. People who are watching golf are watching the Super Bowl. Why would you compete? Why, this should not be in any zone of the Super Bowl. I don't care if they went to 10 playoff holes. It should not even be near it. And I feel Sky Shuffler, like, I have a great win. And Kennelly, you know, it seems like Kennelly's really starting to play well again. And, and you know, just, but it, uh, it, this is like one of those things. Is it's a great tournament. And I don't know why CBS just didn't start it earlier and ended earlier so it didn't run into the Super Bowl. It just, stupid on their part. Yeah, no, this thing should have been wrapped up by 2 (laughs) o'clock. Before people even start making their Super Bowl plans, you should have been done with golf. Um, And what's what's next? Uh, Genesis, and that's probably, you're probably going to be there. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to be at the Genesis this week. Uh, They're not having the Pro-Am for people, which I love going to, but they're not having the Pro-Am on Wednesday, but I'll be there Thursday, Thursday and a couple other days. This is a big tournament. I mean, everybody, now Bryson just pulled out of it, but you have, about the top 50 golfers in the world, I think 45 are there, 46 in the world. So this is huge. It's Riviera Country Club. Um, we'll definitely talk about it next week on the show, but I love going to it. I'll get some really good pictures for Iron Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. What's going on in NCAA hoops? Um, well, on Wednesday, I always it seems like when I'm out here, Gonzaga is always playing. <laughs> so I'm going to get to see Gonzaga play Pepperdine. Now, they're going to be like a 40-point favorite in this game. Pepperdine's terrible. Gonzaga's the number one school in America. But I like going to these small little gyms. Like, where can you go to a small little gym and see the number one team school in the play? It's crazy. But Gonzaga's number one. Auburn had lost to Arkansas in a really tough game. But Auburn is really, really, really good. So I'm excited. I think this – people say there's no great teams – in the NCAA tournament this year. But I think there's a lot of good teams. Like, I've watched Duke. You know, Duke is starting to play and well. I mean, there's, I think there's good about 10 teams that all – I'm, I'm excited. I think it's tournament – I've been watching more college basketball this year than I have, like, the last couple of years. And uh, I, I, I'm excited this year. I can't wait to start talking about it. You know, once football's over, we can start talking about these other sports in terms of other things. But, but I, I, it'll be fun to see Gonzaga play on Wednesday night against Pepperdine in Malibu. What happened with, with uh, UFC? Well, Adam Mayo is the number two pound for pound. He's a middleweight, and he was against Robert Whitaker. And Whitaker, he beat Whitaker for the title in 2019. This was a rematch, and everyone thought Adam Mayo would win pretty easily, which I don't think so because the first match was not that. You know, Whitaker's really good, but he barely won, like 48-47, like three rounds or two, three rounds or two, and four to one. And the fans is in Houston, Toyota Center. The fans are booing. Like, I didn't see the match. I, 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 I have to admit, I didn't watch this this well. I did, um, but... Uh, I, there's like one of the, it was sort of at that situation. I think Adesmayo is now going to drop in the rankings a little bit in the pound for pound rankings because it was the win was a little controversial. I can't wait. You know that was Saturday night, we go Super Bowl Sunday. But I, it's one of those things I you know definitely watch this week. I want to see the whole. I want to watch the whole whole match. And Ira, the Daytona 500 coming up right around the corner on Sunday. Yes, you know I'm going to be at Genesis, and the question is: There's Delray has a tennis tournament this weekend, this week. 
So I might, I love going to the Delray Tennis Tournament. It's really, I like going there. We had Hubert Herkers on from last year for the tournament. But I also went last year to the Daytona 500. So there's like, you know, there's, I, I don't think, I, I don't know where, you know, I could be at the Genesis Daytona or the Delray, but I'm going to be at some, one of the, I'll be either here in, I'll be in LA for the Genesis on Sunday. If you had, if the field is really great at the end, like if it's going to be a Rory, Justin Thomas uh, ending with Dustin Johnson and Brooks, maybe I'll stay for that Sunday final. Uh, or I'll go to probably Delray to go to the tennis. Cause I just, it's one of the, anybody who's in West Palm Beach who wants to go see tennis. I mean, some great young Americans. We have TFO on, we sort of get everybody won this tournament, Riley Opeka, all those people. I, I think it's a great tournament. It's easy to get to, and I love going to it. So I, I potentially go to that. But, you know, there's always, I went to Daytona last year and loved going to the Daytona 500 last year. So we'll see. And this year, you have Floyd Mayweather as a team, Pitbull as a team. I mean, all these superstars are going to, you know, NASCAR is becoming this celebrity-type event with uh, all these celebrities owning teams. Michael Jordan owns a team. So I think that'll be pretty cool to see all these celebrities. I mean, they're going to be there at the event watching it. So uh, looking for an exciting year for NASCAR this year. I want to thank Ken Kennerly so much for stopping by. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night on Ira on Sports.